in the Marvel Universe, Daredevil is, of course, a blind superhero. And the character Echo was originally designed as a Daredevil martial arts villain who is deaf. Does that make sense? Martial arts villain. Yes. Martial artist villain who is deaf. Now, I want to rain check the conversation that giving a character a disability as a quirk is kind of an ableist writing trope. Mm -hmm. I want to have the conversation that is Echo just on paper, martial artist, deaf, female, is that a good foil slash companion for a character like Daredevil? I definitely think that if you are setting out to create a contemporary Daredevil villain that can stand up in the canon, the idea of having a deaf female martial artist is a great idea. It's a nice opposite to him, right? Absolutely. It's 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 a it's a nice the same but different yeah. kind of idea. Yeah. Um I actually think it's one of the ways that this character really succeeds. Ooh. And I know we're going to get into that. Ooh, well then I think, I think I think that's a perfect way to, to begin our lesson. Welcome to Geek History Lesson everybody. I'm Jason Secret Ninja Inman. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And welcome to your Mind University. You have stumbled onto the podcast where a screenwriter from the Midwest and a comic book writer from the north of New York takes one character, one construct, and one idea from pop culture, and we break it down in a little bit less than an hour, or sometimes more. And today's episode is about the Marvel Comics character, Echo, 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 Echo. Echo, Echo. Echo. Wish we had a... We finally have a hide mind where we think the same thing. (laughs) Uh, Of course, because there's an American television miniseries created by Marion Adair, I don't know how to say their last name, from the streaming service Disney+, and you can watch all the episodes right now. But don't worry, we're not going to be giving you... Spoilers for Echo. We're just going to be giving you the history of Echo. So if you watch the television series, you can be like, oh, I know that. Oh, Easter egg, Easter egg. Woo. And have no fear. We won't even do it by accident because we purposely did not watch it before we taught this episode. Exactly. <laughs> out of respect for spoilers. And I know by the time you're hearing this that the, the show will be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, but yes, yeah. we intentionally did not watch the show <laughs> so that we would not spoil it for you. Happy 2024. We love you. you. This is how much we love this you. This is how much we love you. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also had some help on this episode from somebody else. We also love our research research assistant Diego Anthony Nunez. Love you very much, Diego. He uh he made sure that my utility belt was packed with lots of ninja stars. Made sure that your belly was inexplicably on display this whole time, just like Echo. Why would it be any other way? <laughs> uh, let's hop into that 10 cent origin, our first segment on the podcast. Yes, actually. where Professor Jason is going to teach you all the basics, who's it's and what's it's galore about Echo in case you go to a great Disney Plus themed cocktail party and somebody doesn't know about Echo. Now, She is a Marvel Comics character. Mm -hmm. Her first appearance as Echo was in Daredevil number nine in December 1999. Ooh, premillennium. Barely made that 20th century. Yeah. Uh, Her appearance as Ronan was in the New Avengers number 11 in November 2005. She, of course, was created by David Mack and Joe Quesada. Her real name is Maya Lopez. She's a human. Her team affiliations have been the Avengers, the New Avengers, and the Hand. Her aliases have also been Ronan and Phoenix. We'll get to that. And her abilities are she is an expert martial artist and make sure I said that right this time and hand-to-hand combatant. She's a highly skilled acrobat and athlete. She's also a gifted pianist. Yes, I did know that in fact. Uh, And she also has photographic reflexes. We'll go into that Mm -hmm, a little bit. mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not really going to go into her Phoenix powers because that's a bunch of gobbledygook. Let's get into that meet cue the next segment of our podcast. Can I actually actually add a fun fact to our Tencent origin? Please. Uh, The anchor of the original Daredevil issues that she debuted in is 
now famed writer, Jimmy Palmiotti. Oh. Uh, so I just thought that was a really fun fact. And we talk a lot about Jimmy here on the show. Because we we should explain that that Echo is very much a Marvel Knights character. And that was 100%. A, that was an imprint of 1999, early 2000s. Joe Quesada, Jimmy Palmiotti came in. They took over Daredevil. They took over Punisher. They took over Black Panther. And Spy- so- There's a Spider-Man Marvel Knights. Mm, yeah, but that was later down the line. Yeah, I'm trying okay. to pull out the original four. Sorry. And they kind of like rebooted it a little bit for a contemporary. And it basically, I'm going to say, is the reason why Daredevil is popular right now. They saved Daredevil. It's also the reason why Echo is going to be, nope. is a TV nope. series at all. Uh, but this is, uh, anyway, the Tencent origin, which, no, nope. meet cute. Nope. I'm doing, I'm pulling a Jason. I'm getting the mix up. You're meet getting, cute. The, well, slow down. Just slow down. Whoa, relax. Relax. <laughs> I just ran to get here. I know this is, hey. Hey, I know this is our first podcast of 2024. It is. <laughs> Just breathe. Take a breath. We're, we're on the meet cute. All right, now go. The second part of the podcast, where we tell you the first time we meeted these characters and how cute it was. Uh, and we stole the term for romantic comedy writing. You listened to your sensei very well. I appreciate that. Thank Good you, job. You, Good job. You. Thank you so much. Uh, now, because uh, Diego helped us with this, uh, we're going to give his meet cute as well. And yes. he said, I actually haven't read too many stories where she was involved, except for when I was uh, reading a brief stint uh, involving Moon Knight, where she co-stars in. We are going to talk a little bit about Moon Knight in this uh, podcast as well. Uh, Ashley, where did you first, uh, have you read any previous stories with Echo and Maya Lopez? So I told a version of this story way back in the before times when we did our Jessica Jones um, episode. So I have only read Echo recently in preparation for this podcast, Coom, the TV series coming You're out. You're not a real nerd. No, I'm a fake geek girl for That's sure. Right. I definitely don't have a prescription you for heard, these glasses. You heard it here first. Hashtag <laughs> fake geek girl. I'm, I'm a fake geek girl too. Absolutely. It's yeah. nowhere near the nastiest thing I've ever been called on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody once called you a marital artist I, and that's pretty bad. That's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so funny for so many different reasons. <laughs> um, but I first knew Echo because of the stunning David Mack covers. Oh, yes. We should talk. Uh, uh, David Max art, it, it, his impact on this character is he deserves to be on a pedestal of high proportions. David Mack fun fact, art is great. has solo creator credit on this character because not only did he write her original series, but he designed the character. Mm-hmm. He has drawn parts of her miniseries. He worked on the Disney Plus show. He's done. He's contributed a lot. If you like any of the MCU credits from like the yeah. last 10 years, he's like like David Mack. Incredible. David Mack doesn't get the credit that he deserves. That's why I talk about the pedestal. We, if we were better podcasters, we would have got him on this podcast. You know what? Maybe we'll have him in the future. Who yep, can say? There you go. Um, He's awesome. David, you're awesome. We love I, you. I hope somebody sends this podcast yeah, to you. Yeah, please. <laughs> David, you're literally one of the best living comic book artists. I hope you know this. And uh, a, a fantastic painter. And he did these watercolor covers for Alias yep. and for the Echo arc of her introduction in Daredevil. The Alias, and so, the comic book series. The, the comic book series, clear. which yeah. was Jessica Jones' yep. um, uh, debut in Marvel Comics. So I knew those covers long before I ever read Echo because unfortunately um, Echo is one of these characters who kind of disappears for a long time and then comes back. Um, so when I knew that we were going to be doing this episode, I went back and I read the original miniseries over the Daredevil, Daredevil and Echo miniseries and stuff like that. But she's been a new character for me, but I've always known the cover where she has the feathers in her hair and the white, you know what I'm talking about, the white handprint, if you've ever seen this cover. Uh, very, very famous. We'll share it on our socials. But that's kind of my meet cute for Echo, unfortunately, uh, was I read her first for this podcast. So how about you? Uh, I read her for the first time 
in her first story Mm -hmm. when I was reading this Daredevil run. Now, I was not reading this run live. Mm -hmm. I read it several years down the road in trades. But uh, yeah, her first story that she ever appeared in was the first story that I ever read. Yeah, 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 yeah. uh, Because that's a great Daredevil run. One of the best Daredevil runs of all time is this volume. So yeah, it's great. Highly recommend it. It's also why if you are looking for the collection, the collection that is called Mm -hmm. Echo is actually Daredevil number nine to 12. And you'll look at it and go, I should get one to eight. But no, she debuts in this issue. In some versions, it's Daredevil volume. Volume two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you're if you are looking for the collection, and you're confused by that. Don't worry. You're in the right place. Well, something that I don't want everybody to be confused about is um, quick side tangent before we get to more mm-hmm, echo mm-hmm. is if you don't know, we did start this podcast back in 2014. Oh my gosh. So long ago. And very soon we're going to cross our 10th anniversary. Now, Ashley, I have to ask you this question. Yes. Uh, did you think we'd ever be doing this podcast for 10 years? Please be honest. When we started yeah. this podcast? Yeah. How long? Like, let, let, be honest here. How long did you think we were going to do this podcast? Oh, boy. Um, a couple of years, maybe. Two years tops. Okay. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Why'd you keep doing it? Uh, honestly, because we just kept going, well, we got to talk about the next batch of Geek History Lessons. Well, we've got to talk about the next batch of Geek History Lessons. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I didn't know if I would still be talking to you in 10 years, much less doing this podcast. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, well, uh, you know, our 500th episode is coming up very soon. Right around the corner. Maybe. Uh, we're kind of chatting about what we can do mm-hmm. to celebrate that mm-hmm. mon- momentous occasion. And one thing we have decided we're going to do is we are going to make a poster and we're going to have all kinds of cool people and things on it. We're going to have like previous guests, mm-hmm. some of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be really neat. It's going to be a very unique item. We're going to sign some of them for some of the fans, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And you would already know all about this in detail if you were part of our Patreon over yeah. at patreon.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. Over there, we've been asking our patrons for about a week now, who should be on the poster? Mm-hmm. They've been giving us some choices. What should be on the poster? Whether the poster should be edible? That has been a conversation that's been had. So if you want to come over and join that conversation, and if you like three bonus podcasts a month, like GHL Extra, which is a deeper dive into the subject of Maya, we're going to be talking about some of the best female hand-to-hand fighters over there. Exclusive live streams, ad-free episodes of this show, and access to the Geek History Lesson Discord. It's the only way you can access it. My favorite thing on the internet. That's where it is. So come join the super friends and support the show at patreon.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. And thanks to the many people that do. All right, let's get to that echo lesson, the history 101. All right, Maya Lopez was born deaf, Mm -hmm. but she weirdly had this incredible ability to read lips. And she wasn't diagnosed for quite some time because of that people started believing that she was possibly mentally disabled Mm -hmm. now her father was willie crazy horse lincoln he's a native american man he's actually cheyenne Mm -hmm. and he worked as a mob enforcer for the kingpin of crime himself Mm -hmm. wilson fisk Mm -hmm. big man bald head white suits he loves a diamond tip cane (laughs) so (laughs) wilson and Crazy Horse, or Willie, two Wills. Mm-hmm. They were good friends. But Willie eventually became too much of a liability for the Kingpin to control. So, Willie became expendable, and the Kingpin does what the Kingpin does, shoots him. Mm-hmm. That's what the Kingpin does. He expends. Now, before Willie died, he begged for Fisk to take care of his daughter. And Maya eventually caught up with her father dying in the hospital from the gunshot wound. And he left a bloody handprint on her face. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Wilson Fisk, he honors his friend's dying wish to care for Maya as his own daughter. And Fisk also misunderstood Maya's disability. So he sent her to a school that would cater to children with learning disabilities. But there, Maya did something interesting. Maya watched a child play a song on the piano. And Maya, who had never played on the piano before, was able to replicate it note for note. Mm -hmm. Because of this, she was eventually redirected to a school for prodigies where she was forced to play Ava Maria over and over again. No, that last part's not true. Uh, but this is where, at the School for Prodigies, this is where she learned that she had the ability of instantly memorizing anything and copying the exact movements of anything that she has seen. This is what we call photographic reflexes. Mm -hmm. There is a Marvel Comics villain called the Taskmaster mm -hmm. who also has this ability, where if he can see Captain America punch somebody, he can also punch somebody the exact same way. Now, Ashley, we got to talk a little bit about the kingpin of crime, Mr. Wilson Fisk himself. Now, Ashley, mm. who is, what is Wilson Fisk's greatest enemy? The death of his wife? No, it's obesity and heart disease. <laughs> Hypertension? Yeah. <laughs> actually, high blood pressure. No, it's actually Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. gives him hypertension? Hypertension. <laughs> so, it's a joke for all the doctors yeah. out there. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Talk. Wilson Fisk, of course, every, every thought he has about his life is about Daredevil mm -hmm. and how Matt Murdock's butt looks in that Daredevil suit. Which is nothing short of fantastic. It's phenomenal. Um <laughs> And, you know, sometimes you just wish, you know, Wilson Fisk should just kiss the man. I mean, Matt can do better. Should just admit that he likes small boxers with a feisty attitude. <laughs> I like that in your Marvel Universe, everyone's just hot for Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock's a good looking Who dude. Who you once referred to as the manbo of the yep, Marvel Comics yep. Universe. <laughs> but instead, Wilson just gets jealous. Yeah. And he devises ways to kill Matt Murdock. Because he can't have it. Yeah. So... Wilson decides skills. Wilson decides to use Matt Murdock's greatest weakness against him. Women. Women. <laughs> so this was very shortly during the death of right after the death of Matt's longtime love, Karen Page. Mm -hmm. It was a very long time uh Matt Murdock love, who actually, interestingly enough, still dead in the comics. Has been dead for about 20 years now. You know what? I'm gonna say it hot take. Keep her dead. I agree. Keep her dead. I agree. Now, Maya isn't aware of the connection between Daredevil and Matt. But Wilson Fisk is. Mm -hmm. Wilson Fisk knows his secret identity and he wants to take the opportunity to exploit Matt's grief. Mm -hmm. So Fisk arranges for Maya and Matt to meet. And in typical Matt Murdock fashion, they fall in love. They sure do. Oh, boy. So quickly. Now, as Ashley previously mentioned on this podcast, I have called uh, Matt Murdock the himbo manbo yeah, yeah. of the Marvel Universe, yeah. which is 100% true. I don't really want to shame him, but I do think he should just keep his billy club at home for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Ashley, I need to ask you. Yes. Do you think this is a better character for Matt to be entangled with because they can sort of relate to each other on a fundamental level? Or do you think it should be more the idea that Daredevil should not fall in love with every single lady that he meets in every single story? <laughs> it's it's really tough. It's kind of similar to the question before whether she's a good foil, but is she good yeah. love interest? It's tough. And I want to acknowledge that like, 
you know, Jason and I like are not people with disabilities. And so I, I'm trying to I, I talk about and these. we're also not good foils. Right, exactly. And I'm trying to talk about this in a way that's not too ableist. Yes. Because, you know, Maya's Maya's ability at recall is a shorthand to be like, oh, she can talk without slurring her speech. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's 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 a convenience for most of the able bodied readers. Um Matt and and Maya as a love interest feels a little convenient, uh, a little lazy, even uh, even if she weren't also disabled, but in a different way. Um, I don't like them particularly as romantic foils for mm-hmm. each other. And in the original series where she's introduced, it happens like 50 seconds after they meet um, because we're trying to be expedient about storytelling. I, I can understand why it was pitched that way. And I understand that that's a way to breed intimacy between characters very quickly. Um, I don't, I don't, if I'm, uh, if we're ever going to do the like top five daredevil love interest, I don't know. If I, I don't know if Echo makes my top five personally, okay. but I can understand why when you're introducing this character, I can understand why it was done for the convenience of the story. That'd be a very boring episode. So don't ever suggest that. No, anybody. because it's just going to be like Karen Page, Foggy Nelson, Natasha Romanoff. It's, it's kind of all you got. It's number Electra. one. No, it's number one. Foggy Nelson. Number two, Wilson Fisk. Number two, his his daddy. Yeah, Batlin Jack. Number three, Wilson Fisk. Number four, Electra Fives Karen Page. Yeah, there you go. Episode <laughs> over. Uh, and then it's a bunch of people that don't really matter in the scheme of things. Yeah. Like yeah. Mr. Hyde probably makes number 10. <laughs> I do like the two characters interacting. I just don't need them to kiss, that's all. So Wilson Fisk, the kingpin of crime. Kingpin of crime. He manipulates Maya Echo into believing that Daredevil was the man that killed her father mm-hmm. because she doesn't know that Wilson shot him in the face. Nope. Now, Maya has a vendetta and a bloodlust. Mm-hmm. And you know what somebody does when they have a bloodlust? They study Daredevil's fights. And that's what Maya does. Yes. She studies Daredevil fights. Yep. She goes and talks to Bullseye, the trained assassin and Daredevil's greatest enemy, and says, hey, give me some tips. And he's like, you got it, baby. And then she takes on the moniker of Echo to hunt down the devil, wearing a white handprint painted on her face to reflect her father's last gesture. Out on the field, or as some would call it, Hell's Kitchen, she proves to be more than a match for Daredevil as she is able to mimic his abilities and anticipate his moves. And Matt realizes immediately who Echo is by her scent, Mm -hmm. which is kind of gross. But also, the only mask she has on is white face paint. Not that difficult. Yeah, but I mean, also, that's like a Wolverine trick, right? Where he's like, I smelled you and I knew who you were. Like, that's like an old hat Marvel trick. It is true. (laughs) But because of this, Matt sort of uses kids' gloves. He doesn't go full on out and fighting her. Now, Maya exploits this gesture by maneuvering him into a very vulnerable position, and she pulls out a gun, just like Wilson Fisk, and is ready to shoot him. Fortunately for Matt, they were too exposed, and kids were watching. Maya sees these kids, her better nature takes over, and she flees the scene. In their next encounter, she realizes that Daredevil can easily move in the dark, deducing that he must have some power or radar ability that allows them to do this. She carefully picks her next location using a fire signal Mm -hmm. in a very crowded and busy Mm -hmm. area so that it scrambles all of his senses. But in a desperate attempt, Matt makes Echo understand that Daredevil and Matt Murdock are the same person. She then realizes that how impossible it would be for Matt to have killed her father. And she finally pieces everything together. Ashley, do you want to know how she figured it out? 
That Matt Murdock didn't kill her father? Exactly. Uh, well, I know, but I'll let you tell me for the podcast. Well, she found out that Matt Murdock couldn't have murdered her father because he was a little boy at the time. Yeah, yeah. And because he's not that much <laughs> older than her, because I think the only thing that Maya didn't learn at this prodigy school is basic math. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess in defense of Maya, right? Like, most of his... Fa- How old are any superheroes? Well, that's true. I guess she didn't know the age of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I'll, I'll give her a pass. I'll and most of his face is covered. So Maya re- finally realized who actually did murder her, fa- murder her father. The Kingpin, baby. The Kingpin of crime. When Maya confronts Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin of crime, he simply asks her to promise not to forget that he made her what she is. Mm-hmm. And she promises... And then shoots him point blank in the face. Yeah, she sure does. (laughs) Miraculously, Fist survives as he had to go through extensive reconstructive surgery for his eyesight after being shot in the face. And then Maya reflects that her entire life is a lie. She's done too many horrible things. And she leaves the country to travel the world and rediscover herself. Now, Ashley, Mm. would you have liked to have seen Maya and Matt have a relationship that extended beyond this first arc. Would you have liked Maya to have stayed around and been sort of a Matt Murdock daredevil supporting character after this run? Absolutely not. Really? I would have. So just because I very recently read uh, her introductory sort of mini series, what's now been considered a mini series. I really think it's such a perfect story, especially if you begin with the backups where she's initially introduced. Like, I think that's actually her best story uh, is the Vision Quest storyline. But I I don't think she should ever come back. I think it is such a strong showing. And I think in comics, I know we live in this perpetual second act. I think we should be more okay with a character having a great story and never coming back. That, I think that is a fair point. I will say that my statement comes from that I know exactly what happens after this. Yeah, yeah. This is where, right after this, Brian Michael Bendis takes over. Yeah. And this is where Daredevil's identity gets exposed to the world. Yeah. And during this time, uh, Matt Murdock actually marries somebody else, and I don't like the character that Matt marries. Yeah, that's fair. And she's also a character that has disappeared, basically, from Daredevil comics. So... I actually would have preferred that Maya just stuck around and was the love interest through that run as well. Mm. Um, because I think she's a much better character. But I do, understand, I do understand your point. Um, we do have to tell everybody where Maya left and went to rediscover herself. She, she didn't go where you think she went. But we're going to find out where did Maya Echo go right after this. Geek History Lesson, we're back talking about Echo or Maya Lopez, echo, echo, the echo. daredevil lover slash villain. Now, she just tried to shoot Daredevil in the face, but she shot Wilson Fisk in the face instead. Good choice. And said, oh, I need to leave the country because everything I knew about myself is a lie. And she just saw Eat, Pray, Love. So she's like, I'm going to go to India and touch an elephant. I don't think that was out at this time. I have no idea. <laughs> so Maya left the country to travel the world to rediscover herself. She passed through art museums, hoping to reinvigorate herself because she has taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she returns to New York, hoping to rebuild her relationship with Matt. But in typical Matt fashion, he's already married. Already got a girl. Yep. Matt Murdock is one of those exes. <laughs> so Ma- Maya decides to leave to New York and travel to her father's old reservation. Mm-hmm. There she visits the chief, 
who was an old medicine man and a friend of her father's. She says she is looking for a purpose and asks for a vision quest. The chief prepares a series of ceremonies to have prepped for the quest, and it requires her to be isolated in the woods and fasting for several days. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of that. Maya, you're a person after my heart. And while she is out there alone, she's unable to distinguish what is real. And what is a spirit that is out there to guide her? Mm -hmm. She thinks she maybe sees a coyote that mm -hmm. sounds like Johnny, Johnny Cash. And then she's like, oh, yeah, that was an episode of The Simpsons. I saw <laughs> when I was a kid. Uh, but mainly, she sees two dogs that are brutally fighting each other. But she's resilient and does not showcase any fear until a figure shows up. It's a figure that kind of looks like Wolverine. And she reacts to defend herself. And then Maya realizes that, oh, ho, it's actually Wolverine. Logan himself, mm -hmm. and they talk, uh, which I actually I'm gonna say right now is if it's not, it should be a it should be a great idea for a game show in the Marvel universe. You look at a picture, and the host asks you, "Is it a dog or is it Wolverine?" And then you win twenty thousand dollars. I mean, again, in defense of Maya, I don't think she's ever met Wolverine mm -hmm. before. So, well, in defense of most dogs, they look like Wolverine. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I. I actually really like this. I really like the storyline. She keeps asking repeatedly what sound do the claws make? And I just think that's like a really smart little addition. Schnick. Good. And they, it's never, it's never, we all know, right? But it's mm -hmm. never, ever, and there's no sound effect. She doesn't hear. Mm. I think it's a really good bit of writing from David Mack. So Logan shares that he is a friend of the Chiefs and he comes out to the woods annually in reflection of a certain time of his life when he was more animal than man. Uh, and through Wolverine, Maya learns from the drunkest, smelliest, and meanest of all mutants. But he 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 loves to be a mentor to little girls. That's true. She <laughs> learns to appreciate the beauty of art and stories. Now, Ashley, yeah. this begs the question that I think everybody needs to know the answer yeah. is. What do you think Wolverine's favorite novel is? I think Wolverine's favorite novel, it's got to be a Farley Mowat. I mean, he's Canadian. I mean, to me, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Please. Farewell to Arms. White Fang by Jack London. He's not Canadian. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Takes place in the Yukon Territory. Not Canadian. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Think about it. A lot of Wolverine's origin is directly ripped from White Fang. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. So after this interaction with Wolverine or a dog, could be a dog. Maybe, could be a dog. Maybe, 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 maybe she's losing. Maybe she was actually talking to a dog. Anyways, the interaction motivates Maya to go back to New York to start performing and telling stories any way she can through sign language, through dance, and through music. Uh, now, we talked about the story. You read this story. Yep. You know, usually in comics, the superhero needs something to punch. Yep. But, you know, this was sort of a story that was all about journey mm -hmm. and her journey and her thoughts mm -hmm. and her dreams mm -hmm. and whether Wolverine looks like a dog or whether mm -hmm. a dog is not Wolverine. Ashley, do you wish we saw more stories like this in big two superhero comic books? I really, really do. Mm -hmm. And also the way that the story is, sh is told on the page is it's collage. Like there are, f it's photos and scans of physical items on top of like traditional comic book paneling. Um, so the idea that like Maya is this um, multidisciplinary creative and that that's how we're telling her story, I think is like, it's so cool. It's so like late nineties, early aughts. Like it's very cool. And it's, the idea that she, I, I, I've said this on the podcast before. I have a hard time with characters who like live in the gray. I really like in superhero storytelling. And she doesn't in, mean the Liam Neeson movie about wolves, the gray. No, exactly. It's good maybe they're dogs. Maybe it's, they're Wolverine. Who may, knows? Maybe he was fighting six Wolverines. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Um, I, I don't like characters who occupy that, but 
Echo is a character who does that throughout. And I think that's what makes her a really, yeah. really compelling in this particular mini series. And in this in this storyline in particular, it's kind of it kind of elevates like this superhero universe sure. into something a little bit more. And it, the fact that it's a, a medium of art reflecting on art, I think is interesting. And I, I wish that the big two would take more swings like this because this is a big swing and it's not going to land for every reader, but I think it's a really interesting exploration of the medium as much as of the character. So TLDR. Yes. So now we're going to talk about Captain America. Captain America was looking to recruit Matt Murdock, Daredevil, onto his new Avengers team in hopes that Matt would help apprehend the Silver Samurai, who is a shiny X-Men villain who looks exactly like his name sounds. Should have got Wolverine. Uh, well, Wolverine was on these Avengers. Yes, I did. So, uh, the Silver Samurai had actually recently escaped prison. Now, the, the because of the hand. Now, the hand, excuse me, is a secret society of evil ninjas that Daredevil likes to fight a lot. Yep. Matt referred Cap to seek Maya, a.k.a. Echo, for assistance as she is less of a liability than he was at the time. This is when his identity was out there and everything like that. So she meets with Cap and creates a new identity for herself called Ronin. It's a fully masked face, all black suit. And I will say at the time when Ronin was first introduced, it was a mystery of who was in the Ronin suit. Yeah. Now. We're going to pull back here and we're going to talk about the production stuff here. Fun fact, she first appeared as Ronan in New Avengers number 11. Uh, of course, this was written uh, by Brian Michael Bendis, drawn by David Finch. The Ronan identity was an attempt by Brian Michael Bendis to create a mystery about who was this character appearing on these comic book covers. Mm -hmm. um, fan speculation was very high. And the most common guess about who Ronan was, was Matt Murdock. Mm. Brian Michael Bendis later revealed that the original intention was Ronan was Matt Murdock. Because mm. Ronan on all the covers is drawn like, like a, a man. man. Yeah. And is very bulky. He later changed that to Echo when fans started guessing that it was Daredevil. Mm. It's a problem with the internet. Mm-hmm. So, Ronin slash Echo infiltrates the Yashia Fortress, confirming that the Silver Samurai was being rescued, had been rescued by the Hand, and that they are also in league with Hydra. The Silver Samurai was kind of just hanging out their pad and having cigars and enjoying lots of Tiger Tanaka movies. Great. Now, Hydra, of course, is the evil society that was basically Marvel's answers to the Nazis. Now, Echo slash Ronin finishes a recon. The hand discover that she's there and she has to make her way back to the team with a bunch of ninjas chasing her. The new Avengers, they manage to fight all these ninjas. They win the day. And Maya decides that it's best to stay in Japan as she monitors the hand's activities as there have been rumors that Elektra is the current leader of the hand. And she also knows that the Elektra is Matt Murdock's former ex-girlfriend. And Maya probably has some feelings about that, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. So now we're going to talk about Elektra. Your favorite character, Ashley. <sighs> Very famous Matt Murdock, Daredevil girlfriend. Wears red. A lot of skimpy clothes. Arguably the most famous. Ninja. <laughs> Matt Murdock girlfriend. Echo. Is Echo sort of derivative of Elektra? Or, let me ask you this, is a lot of Daredevil's girlfriends just derivatives <laughs> of Elektra? I mean, that's, it, that is what it is, right? Is everyone is chasing Elektra. Mm -hmm. And I cannot care for Elektra all I want. Like, she does stand up in the canon 
uh, Marvel and of Daredevil specifically, right? In terms of her importance to that character. And the tough thing about it is like her best story is that she showed up and she died. Yeah, yeah. And she sort of stayed dead. Um, more of my question in hearing about this arc, which is not an arc that I've read. The new Avengers arc? Yeah. yeah. Is, um, you know, the sort of like, oh, we have an indigenous American character whose alias is called Ronan. Mm-hmm. Like now we're sort of mixing, we're mixing mediums a lot. in a way and that now she's gonna stay is in not, Japan. yeah, is not maybe as uh, perhaps informed or as, as sensitive as humanly possible. But I don't know if the I early 2000s not being I, informed. I know, <laughs> I know. And I know we have to meet stuff where it is, but it was just like, that was just kind of what was going off in my brain. Just the idea that the next thing she did was like being pitted against Electra. Mm-hmm. Um, Big cho- big choice. I don't know if I agree with it, but I mean, yeah, Echo's incredibly derivative of Electra. I mean, well, E and E, come on. Well, I'm going to say at this point that from what this point forward, you're basically going to learn, Ashley, that, and I'm going to say this right now, uh-huh. that I'm not saying this for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, of course not. But for the Marvel Comics Universe, mm-hmm. I'm going to start agreeing with your statement that Maya should have just been a one story character and then gone yeah. away forever because, yeah. Yeah. because we might hold that story up as like, Oh, that is one of the greatest, greatest Daredevil stories of all time. Yeah. And I definitely think that that arc is looked at very positively because from this point forward, what Maya does is I'm sorry to say not that interesting. And, and it's going to start getting problematic in a couple of points. Yay! Let's yep. do it, comics. So let's talk about Marvel Civil War. What's that, Ashley? Your favorite comic book event? Uh, I don't mind Civil War. <laughs> uh, I like Civil War. Civil War is where uh, superheroes were responsible for some deaths, and so the U.S. government said, you got to register. And uh, Captain America said no, and Iron Man said yes, in an absolutely wrong choice of who was going to lead what teams. And uh, people chose their allegiances, and then they fought against each mm-hmm. other. So the new Avengers, Maya's team, was the unsanctioned team, was Cap's yeah. team. Yeah. The mighty Avengers were the government-sanctioned team. So, back in Japan, Maya would continuously fight off waves of ninjas with no backups from her Avenger team because they were fighting the Civil War. Sure. Maya eventually becomes overwhelmed from the hand and battles Elektra personally, and she is killed by Elektra. She is then restored by the same ritual the hand uses to resurrect Electra. Yes, so I should make this clear. The hand are sort of zombie ninja people that can resurrect characters. They do it all the time. Yeah, I mean, if they're sort of the Marvel answer to the League of Assassins. Sort of, yes. If you want to think broadly. And usually when they resurrect people, they are brainwashed to be like, yes, the hand is the greatest. Yeah. I like the hand. Mm-hmm. Um also, if you never realized this before, um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, their enemies the foot, are the foot. On. Yeah. It's because they were inspired by Daredevil. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of teams. Yep. I mean, the turtles yep. were part of Matt's accident, That's obviously. Correct. That's correct. That is very correct. If you don't know that, go no, look it up. That's very true. funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. The same accident that creates Daredevil is the one that creates the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So, so word eventually gets back to the new Avengers, now led by Luke Cage, Doc- Doctor Strange, Woo! Spider-Man, Woo! and another person dressed as Ronan. Mm. who turns out to be the secretly but recently deceased but recently returned from the dead Hawkeye himself Clint Barton comics don't worry about it and then he talks to Kate and it's so nice so they storm in they rescue Maya but Maya had been successfully indoctrinated and she was brainwashed and Mm. she wouldn't help her team and she actually stabs Doctor Strange 
Good for her. Fortunately, Doctor Strange, with his infinite wisdom of the dark magic, was able to walk it off, and he magically, <laughs> yep, yep, and he magically and successfully deprogrammed Maya. She's like, why do so many of your hand gestures look like I love you? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Oh, I'm oh, Ashley. Goodness, I was hoping this was going to happen. I didn't. I didn't plan for a call. Okay, but... well, you know, I don't know call waiting, so I'm going to need you to step out so yep, I can answer this. All right, just answer up the next okay. round. Hello. Hello, Ashley. Doctor Strange here, calling in. Hello. Happy New Year. I have not heard from you since you took over the pod. How are you? I don't do what you refer to. I'm good. I'm good. I. I'm sorry. I had to call in. Because I was astral projecting and uh-huh. I heard this podcast and I must say, I am not pleased with your choice of subject matter for this episode. You want to tell me why? Well, you see, Echo stabbed me. Yeah, but to be fair, like a lot of people have stabbed you. Yes, but it's the principle of the thing. You see, I'm I'm just there doing my magical thing and then she decides to go all stabby stabby. It's not cool. Has Clea ever stabbed you? Well, that's between a married couple, if you, you will. You know what? I'm not I'm I'm not gonna be so pedestrian. You're absolutely right. Back to Echo. Yes, Echo is definitely on my do not invite to magical tea list. Uh I just you know, look. You know my thoughts on the Avengers. I've said this on previous episodes, right? You know, they, they keep calling me in for missions. Adequate at best, I understand. Yeah, yeah. they keep calling me in for, for, for missions. They say it's very urgent. Mm-hmm. It's I need to be there. Mm-hmm. And I get there, and what do I find? Just some ninjas. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not really that magical. I mean, some of them might come back from the dead, but they're just ninja. I'm the Sorcerer Supreme, damn it. Not a ninja consultant. Not a ninja consultant. I know, you just snap your fingers and they're all toast. I will say, that I was a ninja consultant back in 1976 and I fought this one guy in a yellow with a black stripe uniform and a tower mm. and he gave me a black eye and I said never again. Wow. What was your favorite show in 1976? Hmm? What was your favorite show in 1976? Game of Death. <laughs> okay, not the answer I was fishing for. That's fine. I don't know what answer. <laughs> Were you thinking mass or something like that? <laughs> I didn't watch some pedestrian ship. You mean people wearing army fatigues? You are a doctor. They're not real doctors. (laughs) Are you a real doctor? I am. I have an MD and an SD, which is a sorcerer doctorate. That's not what... Okay. Yep. (laughs) Back to Echo. (laughs) Look, this is beneath me. All right? This podcast? How rude. Well, yes, this podcast, but also helping the new Avengers. So I'm just going to say... Okay. I am here. I am here to give you a decree. Please. Geek history lesson. Okay. If you are going to do a lesson on her... Just be cautious with the stabbing references. Some of, some of us have scars, you know. We feel it, the pain, the phantom pain. Don't you have, don't you have magic so you can like recover your scars? It doesn't get rid of scars. Magic, there's always a price with magic. And it doesn't <laughs> get rid of your scars. That's true. The best you can do is put a SpongeBob SquarePants Band-Aid on it and, and, and then you walk it off. And then you have your wife kiss it better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, that's all right. Okay. I think, you know, uh, you know, anyways. Thanks for calling. Don't talk about Echo. I mean, okay, fine. No more. <laughs> okay. Will you promise? I promise. No more episodes on Echo. No more episodes on Echo. I think there's going to be an astonishingly easy promise to keep. <laughs> you certain? <laughs> yeah. All right, very well. Unless she becomes a legacy character, so right, there's cool. still time. I'm hanging up now. Goodbye. Love you, bye, kisses. Oh, wow. Doctor Strange. Yeah. You know, I had a feeling he might have been calling in today. Hold on a second. 
Now he's gone. <laughs> That's that last little magic fart when he leaves the room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so gross. Anyways, <laughs> all right. Don't be so uncouth. All right, here we go. So back to Maya. Back um, to Maya. She's normal. She's not a zombie ninja anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. Doctor Strange saved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's filled with fury. Sure. And she becomes... Which is pretty normal for Maya. Yeah. And she becomes laser-focused on Elektra and kills Elektra. I love that for her, honestly. And to everybody's surprise... I support this decision. Elektra transforms into a scroll. That's disappointing. Yes. And a scroll, if you don't know, is a shape-shifting alien race that was one of the many examples during the time in Marvel comic books that they were planning an invasion, a secret, secret invasion, invasion, if you will. And this causes a rift amongst the new Avengers as some of them were unsure about who to trust. They got a bunch of lines on their chins. Yes. So this sets off, of course, the event Secret Invasion. And as you can imagine, with all this paranoia and distrust and descending amongst the team, it was hard for Maya to fit, fit in. Mm -hmm. So she came back, she met up with Daredevil, and after a brief conversation, she figured out that he was actually a scroll and was trying to re replace her and get into the new Avengers. I mean, who wasn't a scroll? I mean, it's pretty straight. That's pretty pretty honest uh, statement. Fortunately, with the help of Wolverine, uh, or maybe a dog, maybe a dog, they they managed to get <laughs> the scroll to retreat. <laughs> I want a shirt that's just like Logan's face. It says maybe a dog. <laughs> Clint Barton confronts Maya. Yeah. On her recent attack, as the two relate to each other, and as he's been wearing her costume, as former, he's like, "You're it's so snug. It just it, it like it nips in my waist in a really flattering way." He talks about his experiences joining the Avengers and, and dying. And reflecting on how he was the guy with the arrows fighting along somebody like the guy of thunder. And unfortunately, you forget about that. You focus on the job and you eventually just fit in just fine. It's basically what he mm -hmm. says to her. Mm -hmm. uh, Clint offers the Ronin armor back to Maya, but she declines. And she wants Clint to keep it as she believes it'll serve as better guidance for him, which is a bunch of gobbledygook if I've ever heard some. But don't forget, the two get to share an intimate night, an intimate night together, but they never officially become a couple. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> no. This is going to start. I can't and not accept it. <laughs> this is going to start off a trend that uh, every time Maya meets a superhero, they're going to have a nice chat and then they're going to sleep together. Oh, I see. She gets the She-Hulk treatment. She gets the every single Marvel character every that is female. Every single Marvel female character in the history treatment. of the world. Yeah. I mean, yes. Jean Grey. Hello. Now we're going to talk about Maya going to Los Angeles, sunny LA. The, as Randy Newman would say, I love LA. Uh, <laughs> We're going to say what Maya got up to in Los Angeles right after this. GHL, we're back talking about Echo or Maya Lopez. Uh, she just fought through the secret invasion and she's heading to Los Angeles. And she decides to do some undercover work in Los Angeles. While there, she meets Mark Spector, the Moon Knight. Hey, that guy, yep. Steven. He's a knight of the moon. And Mark, or excuse me. Mark actually had relocated to Los Angeles to establish himself as a hero and to investigate this new character called the Kingpin of L.A. Mark breaks into a club to try and find answers while Maya was already there undercover. Maya knocks Mark unconscious, drags him to a safe location, and basically says, Hey, I've been here for three weeks. You basically ruined this. I've been trying to find this Kingpin guy, too. Because I don't like anybody that's taken on the name Kingpin. I have to say... I'm not a huge Moon Knight girly, yeah. but I kind of like the idea of these two interacting. Why? I don't know. There just feels like something feels correct about it to me. If I was thinking about all the characters in the, on the Marvel roster, like this is, this is a pairing that intrigues me. So Mark. Stephen. 
What? That's the joke from the from the show. It's, is he Mark or is he Steven? Okay. Mark wants to create a strategy to involve Maya. Mm-hmm. He invites her to dinner at the famous Pink's Hot Dogs. <laughs> Do you want to explain Pink's Hot Dogs to anybody that doesn't live in LA? Pink's Hot Dog is a hot dog stand in West Hollywood that... Um, it's not great. It's not great. It's there's a long line. The hot dogs are also very long, but it's been open for like for a hundred so. million years. Yeah. yeah. There's kind of nowhere to sit. So it's not a You'll place never you would find go a, for dinner. You will never find a table there. Um, but they do have, they do have a hot dog with onion rings on it. That's called the Lord of the Rings. And the one and only time I went there, that is what I got. Is it any good? Give it a square out of five. Uh, two and a half. Like it was fine. What hot dog do you think Maya's getting? At uh, the Lord of the Rings. She's a woman of taste. <laughs> okay. What hot dog is Moon Knight getting? Uh, whichever one it signifies multiple personalities. Um, that doesn't the, the Sailor Moon. Okay. As the two have dinner, <laughs> they try to figure out if they can trust each other. But the two get ambushed at Pink's. Mark manages to get away, and before he could even think about going back to help Maya, but Maya is so good, she manages her own escape. And Mark is like, "Oh wow, she can escape on her own. I'm in love." <laughs> <laughs> this is very silly. The two hide out in Mark's apartment overnight and, and become kiss. intimate. <sighs> I so, hate this. So, full stop here. Red alert. We're noticing a trend, aren't we? Yeah. We've talked about this on several other podcasts involving yeah. Marvel female characters. characters that have popped up on this podcast more than once. Yeah. They tend to be introduced in this really neat storyline. They might have one other neat storyline. Yeah. But then eventually they just start sleeping around with every other Marvel mm-hmm. superhero. Now, not saying that they couldn't. And I'm not definitely going to shame anybody. No, 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 no. But it is a very prevalent trend. It's lazy storytelling. That happens on the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ashley, what is this? Because Maya is a very powerful, very self-centered, very confident yeah. female character. Yeah. Doesn't have any, you know, well, she sort of has a ghost in her past, but, but like, you know, like certain characters that we've talked about in this podcast before, she doesn't have any like substance abuse issues yeah, 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 or yeah, mental yeah, instabilities. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty self-assured. Pretty together. Yeah. 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 And she's actually like aware of a lot of where her issues lie. Exactly. Yeah. She, she transforms yeah. and she goes on vision quests. Yep. So she's actually like pretty with it, mm-hmm. but yet because she's female, yeah. the only thing we do with her is, oh, let's. Ever have sex with this hero? Let's yeah. ever have sex with this hero. Yeah. Let's ever have sex with this hero. Yeah. It it is very boring. Yeah. Lazy storytelling. Yeah. I mean, I would hate for someone to give us another one star review because I used the word misogyny in yet another episode of Geek History. I'll say it. Week. Misogyny. Um, but I mean, that's what it is. And what it ultimately falls down to is I don't know who wrote this storyline or this issue. I'm gonna bet it was a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and comics are inherently male gazy, right? And it's just it's incredibly lazy. It's also like Sex is a shorthand for intimacy and storytelling, but when you use it repeatedly, it's, yeah, it's a trope and it's a lazy trope. And, uh, you know, God forbid we did something like have characters speak to each other or share trauma or share an experience wherein they could bond, especially superheroes. But, you know, it's, it's un, it's unfortunate because it also tells your young readers that this is the, this is a value of this person and whether or not somebody is like sexual or not has no determination on their value. Um, and Echo is honestly cooler than that. Echo is very cool. And a lot of character, a lot of female characters who we think of as sort of our A-listers, um, 
that doesn't Barbara Gordon doesn't sleep with everyone in the Batman family. No, there. This is sort of a second and third tier character. Except trope. for one movie that we won't talk about. Right. Well, and Dick Grayson, but not everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Maya has currently slept with every male, every male character she's had any kind of meaningful mm-hmm. interaction with. Except Wolverine. Except Wolverine. And she's probably slept with Wolverine at this point. I mean, Wolverine has slept with e- literally everyone. Wolverine so. slept with dogs. <laughs> and Scott Summers. Um, who could also be called a dog. Who could also be called a dog. Yeah, it's just it's just upsetting because Maya is a cooler and more interesting character yeah. than being reduced to to Female this. love interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in an attempt to lure out the mysterious kingpin of Los Angeles, Moon Knight uses one of his contacts to sell the L.A. kingpin an artifact that he's been looking for. Sure. The kingpin reveals himself to be another, another than, none other than Count Nefaria, your favorite old school Avengers villain. Yes. He's a... Think, Should we call Dr. Strange again? <laughs> think low-rate Eastern European Dracula. Great. So he wants, he wants to take over the world. I'm literally just imagining Nandor from yep. what we do in the shadows. No, give Nandor a mustache. You're pretty close. <laughs> Maya records the incident of the illegal sale and gives this evidence to the police. Mm. Mark and then Maya focus on dismantling as many operations as they can to draw the count out in the public. And the encounter... Eventually brings the Count out. The Count sees Maya, and he blasts her with a fatal optic blast. Mark Moon Knight goes berserk as he unrelentingly beats on the Count. And as far as I could tell in my research and uh, the research from Diego, this stomach blast kills Maya. Maya is dead at the end of this story. The second time Maya is dead, has been Mm. killed. Somehow, three years later, her next appearance, she is alive, and there is absolutely and there is absolutely no explanation nor mention of this death. Now, for reference, this death happens in 2012 mm-hmm. in a Moon Knight issue. She reappears in the Daredevil Annual in 2016, mm-hmm. alive, no mention of her death. Mm-hmm. Now, Ashley, as someone who has been a comic book editor, yes, and an Image Comics company, yes. Want to ask your opinion? Why does this frequently happen? Let's pull back the curtain for the listeners. What characters die and come back and die and come back? It will also, and that there's there's no mention in the second storyline oh. that she's been dead. Um, usually that happens when the storyline in which they died is not beloved, um, or well received. And uh, editorial or sometimes people at the executive level think it's more important to have this character back for whatever reason, uh, whether it's personal or whether there's actually like a great reason to have them back. Um, And in order to distance themselves from something that was um, offensive or poorly looked on or poorly received, they just won't mention it at all. And also because like not for nothing, comics have a pretty high turnover rate in terms of the readership. Mm -hmm. Um, Three years later, it might not even be the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it might not even, but it might not even be the same readers so there is not particularly at the like there's not as much eye on continuity in comics as you think there is for how many events tie together nowadays now maya's back she's alive again honestly we'd love to see it and when you talk about something that you know like when you think about maya and you think about echo Mm -hmm. and you think about like david mack what would be the next progression of story that echo would be a part of (laughs) No. And, nat- oh, no. and naturally, I don't know about you. No, it's not. I don't think about it. No. Naturally, no. I think to myself, the Phoenix Let's make Force. Her the Phoenix. Yeah. I for- okay. I, I forgot. Oh, I know we already talked about it. 
I forgot. And then when you mentioned the year, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Phoenix nonsense. So the cosmic entity known as the Phoenix Force made its way back to Earth in pursuit of a new host. What's the Phoenix Force? I'm so glad you asked. It's <laughs> it's a big fire bird that's attracted to Jean Grey and it gives you firepowers. I mean, honestly, aren't we all? Now, a contest that's held as many characters throughout the Marvel Universe want to face off each other to prove themselves as the worthy host. And Maya was one of the ones summoned for this contest. The Phoenix empowers all these possible candidates facing off in this conquest. And regardless of who won and who did not and whatever, it's literally meaningless. We're not going to talk about the story long uh, at all. The Phoenix was drawn to Maya as it was enamored by her ability to adapt and wield its powers in unique ways. So Maya becomes the new host, the Phoenix. She does get a little too Phoenix happy as she becomes drunk off this immense power. And Maya wrestles if she should isolate herself from the rest of the world by heading to the stars. But actually because of her upbringing, she realizes like, no, I'm too connected to Earth because of my dad and Mm -hmm. because of the chief. So she decides to go on a spirit quest as the Phoenix. And just to let you know, this is very recent. Maya no longer has the Phoenix Force, but she did use it to help defend the multiverse with the Avengers. And then she gave it up. She used it all to help save the Avengers. And now she's back to being regular Maya Lopez. Can I share two thoughts about the Phoenix really quickly? I mean, let's not go down too far down. No, 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 no. But just firstly, um, if I was anyone in the Marvel Universe and I was being summoned to like a contest to see who could host the Phoenix Force and I had seen any action by the Phoenix, particularly if it was the Jean Grey Phoenix. There's no way I would be interested. Nobody, wa- n- literally nobody in their right mind wants to host the Phoenix Force. Second thought, the only reason I kind of, and I do not care for the Phoenix Force, and I think it should go away literally forever. However, the only reason I kind of like the idea of Maya possessing it is because of the Native American myth of the Thunderbird. And you can kind of associate that with the Phoenix Force. Like, that's kind of neat in an abstract way. Those are my two thoughts on the Phoenix Force. Maybe you never speak of it again. Well, that's where we're going to leave Maya in the comic books. I do want to talk about that she recently popped up in live action in Marvel's Hawkeye. And now she has her own self-titled show, Yay! Echo. Alakwa Cox is the character that or the actress that plays her i do want to say that in the hawkeye series in the flashbacks during the Mm -hmm. blip of the five years her father william lopez portrayed by amazing character actor zon mclaren love him he was killed by ronin during that time oh sure so that's the that's the ronin connection with echo that's uh, honestly not a bad retcon mm-hmm. to like sort of streamline the MCU-ness yep. of it all. And she's still tied to the Kingpin and there's more about that yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. go watch the Echo series. She's also, Alakwa Cox, she's awesome. Is she? Yeah, she's really good. And if people have not checked out some of her promotional tour stuff, uh, I highly recommend checking it out. She's great. Now, Ashley, I want to end this with, we talked about, about Echo's romantic relationships, yes. but I want to talk about her working relationships, Wolverine, yes. Moon Knight, yes. Daredevil, yes. dogs. Dogs. Um, <laughs> Do you think she should be teamed up with people or do you think should she truly be as she took on the identity once a Ronin? Uh, that's really interesting. A solo character. Um, It's also interesting because obviously in the MCU, no spoilers, but they are setting her up to be one of these new generation of Avengers, these young Avengers slash new Avengers, however they're going to sort of rebrand it. But they're sort of setting her up to be a generation removed from these characters like Wolverine and Daredevil, who we're used to seeing her interact with in uh, the comic book continuity. I 
I kind of like her on her own. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes the idea, which is again, really driven home in her original introduction of her being like this echo, this being who is reflective and who is in and out of quote unquote, the real world. I think if she's a more isolated character, that idea plays stronger. However, if you're a mom, if you're a mom of a, if, if you're a mama, if you're a mama, if you're a Marvel comics a character, mama. exactly like Echo, send us an email at, g- yeah. <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, if you are a Marvel comics character, you have to operate within the Marvel comics universe. Yeah. So I do think if she has to be a Marvel comics character, I would prefer her interactions to be with characters like Daredevil, Luke, K- like these kind of street level New York characters. What about a pack of dogs? How about you? How do you feel about all that? the all the dogs? Great. I hope she has her Great. own pack of dogs. But, Echo uh, but, and the Isle of Dogs. Exactly. But I. I I don't want Echo interacting with uh, as much superpower. Like, I don't want her and Doctor Strange to talk all that much because, like, well, he won't talk to her. We just heard that. No, honestly, and good for him. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's correct on that. Yeah. But because this, just this, it's the scale of her powers versus the scale of like Thor, right? Which goes back to that Hawkeye conversation of it all. So, right. there's my non-answer for you. Nice. Let's get into the recommended reading. Ashley, could you please explain what that is? Happily. So, if you have been inspired by this lesson and some of the things that Professor Jason, with the assistance of Diego, have taught you today, you can go over to geekhistorylesson.com/slash/recommended-reading. You can pick up any of Jason's recommendations in your format of choice, and then you will be all the wiser about Echo. What do we have, Jason? The first one is Echo, the Saga of Maya Lopez. This is a cool collection that basically collects Maya's big stories. I think this is the one that you read. It is, and it's particularly um, rebranded for the new uh, yes, show coming it's out. really great. Uh, we also have the New Avengers, the Complete Collection, Book 2 by Brian Michael Bendis. This is where she is Ronan. Mm-hmm. She travels with the Avengers. And then I wanted to put it on there because she does have a cool Phoenix costume. Phoenix Song Echo okay. is in here. Uh, her costume as echo again i'm gonna look it up it's 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 pretty it's pretty rad but other than that this story is is best forgotten That's unless you like if you're like a phoenix force girly then good for you Ooh, it is mm-hmm. really cool actually now we're gonna get into the honor roll which is if you go over to apple Podcasts and you leave us a five-star review we're gonna read your review live on the air you can literally write anything you want and if you're an international listener we can't see your international review so please email those at geekhistorylesson at gmail.com ashley who joins the honor roll this week Braz joins the honor roll this um, week. That, is this a name or are you having problems? Okay, so Embrash. Cool. I didn't. I didn't. Embrace. I didn't know if you were having an episode or. I'm not. I'm. I do not think I'm having a stroke. Okay. Uh, if I am, what? Uh, what an iconic episode. Everybody remember be. fast. Everybody remember fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the acronym. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. Yeah. In fact, if you don't know what it is, you should. You, you should, should know. <laughs> you should know. Uh, they say number one podcast in the world with three exclamation points because they're obviously a person of taste. Wow. And they say, been listening for a while now and would love to have a best slash worst Spidey Suits lesson to hear what your favorites are. So, M-B-R-A-S-Z. Brash. I love your idea. It's hard to talk about visual things like costumes and covers on an audio podcast. Wait, and, and this is actually something that Jason and I debate a lot when we talk about I, I will say Ashley, titles. Ashley wants to do them. Yeah. I do not. So I'll, I'll, I'll compromise with you, uh, Embrash. But great idea. Great for idea. For your suggestion. Yeah. Um, I don't like doing worst because we want everybody's favorites to be respected. I don't like punching down. So we'll do a best Spidey Suits poll and discussion on our threads. 
and everyone can, yeah, I'll do it. And we can all weigh in there. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, there's a pause for Embrash. Thank you so much for your five-star review. Yeah. I love you. Thank you for listening. Welcome into the teacher's lounge, my friend. Yeah. And what's next, Jason? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about the teacher's lounge, so it's fine. I didn't know Uh, if we were still doing that. What's going on in the teacher's lounge? Nothing. Spidey suits. We're talking about spidey suits. Nope. (laughs) Nothing's going on. Don't forget, everybody. You can join the honor roll everywhere you you can by subscribing to this podcast, everywhere you listen to podcasts, everywhere, especially on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Ashley, where can they find GHL on threads? And they can find that spidey thing, and you can suggest future subjects. Yes, if you want to weigh in on the spidey poll, or if you're honestly just trying to get more, like I'm trying to connect with more people on threads, but you can find Geek History Lesson on threads at Geek History Lesson. Where can they find you on threads? You can find me on threads at Ashley V. Robinson, retweeting a lot of Geek History, re-threading a lot of Geek History Lesson. You can find me on threads at Jawin, that's J-A-W-I-I-N, or come find me at JasonInman.com. Pick up one of my books, one of my comic books. Now it is time for... Stick around. Hashtag stick around. That's the part where we made sure you stuck through all the plugs. Ashley, I have a very important question that I've been saving till the very end. Yes. Should Echo have stayed a villain? It's a big Marvel problem. They love to turn all the bad guys into good guys. Even Venom is a good guy now. Should Echo have stayed a villain? So Echo is barely a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, but she's introduced as a villain. Yes. Echo is a person with a conflict against Daredevil. Um, but Echo is barely but for the purpose villain. of that story. Yes, she's a villain. Yes, she is his antagonist. Uh, yes, I think so because I'm sick and tired of everyone being heroes. Although I will say that I am totally down for a solo series of Echo, kind of like Wolverine going around and fixing problems and and studying the kung fu and saving town's problems. Look, I'll say this right now. But I do think she's a state of villain. Find Marvel Comics. This is a free idea. Yeah. Find yourself a great team of indigenous creators and tell like Echo's story. Going around and to different villages and reservations in the state, like I like it, I dig it. Dig, dig into the mythology, like let's do it. You know what she would be guaranteed to find going to everyone of these reservations? Some dogs, a lot couple of dogs, a couple of dogs, a lot of dogs. <laughs> you know, very early on when we were talking about the gray, I almost made the joke that made me laugh. Is um, if you've ever seen The Gray, where Liam Neeson just fights a lot of dogs, uh, you bet I have not. I had the joke. It's a great movie, actually. I had the joke in my head where he does the take and speech is like, I have a very particular set of skills and that is beating up dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and Echo's very particular set of skills is beating up Matt Murdock. No, her particular set of skills is being able to identify dog or Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine, not a dog. In her defense, she meets Wolverine on day four, which is usually the While final day of the she's probably very high on quest. peyote. Uh, <laughs> well, they don't specify that, but she definitely like has not Come eaten on. or drank. Come on. I'm just, you know, everyone has their own traditions. That's true. And we don't, they don't specify what she's. And Echo's tradition is recognizing whether it's Wolverine or or dog. dog. They they do. There is a line which I do think is very funny where first she like hallucinates Wolverine and then she's like, oh, he's shorter than I thought he would be. Yep. He's a little, (laughs) he's a little runt. He's a little, little Canadian man. And what wasn't little was this episode of Geek Cash Girls. And thank you so much for listening (laughs) so much. I hope you enjoyed it. I am Jason, still a secret ninja in Man. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. And Professor Jason, would you please dismiss the class? Class is now dismissed.